Guess what, Renee? What? Only two more shopping months till Christmas. <laughs> oh, I'm going to throat punch you today. Yeah, well. It's too soon. Come on. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised it took you this long to throat punch me. Yeah, but, well, uh, it's just until I vocalized it. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on your list of things to do. <sighs> That's all I'm getting for Christmas is a throat punch. Well, Renee and I have both taken our turns as the nominee for Speaker of the House, and we both have not been able to gather all the votes. So here we are. We might be able to get more votes. Oh, my God. I'm so sick of talking about these people. From the last time I checked to, or or from the the one time I checked to the last time I checked, it changed yesterday. Yeah, uh, overnight. So yesterday. Oh, yeah, uh, and then overnight it changed. Yeah, so uh, this Mike Johnson guy from Louisiana, he's up now. He's the fourth nominee for Speaker. Former radio guy, but uh, he seems pretty far right. Uh, this after five rounds of secret ballot voting <sighs> yesterday uh, to nominate Majority Whip Tom Emmer for House Speaker. Michigan Congressman Jack Bergman, he was dropped after the second round. And four hours later, Emmer dropped out after at least 20 Republicans said that they wouldn't support him. Uh, members of Tree- Team Trump were calling GOP lawmakers to oppose Emmer. Trump uh, called Emmer a rhino on on true social and said that it would be a catastrophic mistake. Uh, I'm guessing it's because Emmer voted to certify the 2020 election and he passed this latest spending bill to keep uh, the government open. But it, it really seems like the Republican Party is cannibalizing itself and Congress is being held hostage by like the lunatic fringe on the right. You know, 20, 20 people out of 435 are holding up progress and holding everything hostage. At this point, I say we don't even talk about it until somebody's been elected. I'm, I'm almost at that point. It, it's I, ridiculous. I, it's it's, it's it's almost a mad lib every day. You know, blank was nominated. Blank fell this many uh, uh, votes short, and blank is now the new nominee. That that is accurate. What a great exercise. So yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, hopefully they'll uh, hopefully some rules will change after this. Uh, hopefully that's number one. Um, I, I think they should immediately vote to get rid of that stupid rule that that Kevin McCarthy agreed to because he wanted to. Uh, be Speaker of the House so bad he wanted it there on his business card that, uh, okay, I'll be Speaker and one person can vote me out, and now here we are. Mm-hmm. So, that backfired. And then, I, I mean, like I said last week, I think the um, I, I think the 217 vote rule, the, the vote where you have to have a, a, a legit majority of the Congress voting you in for Speaker instead of just having the most votes, uh, I think that was put in place back when they assumed there'd be enough adults in the freaking Congress to, uh, you know, actually be able to do the people's business. But that is uh, that that's be- being demonstrated to not be toddlers could get more accomplished here. Exactly. So. All right. Well, yeah, there we go. Uh, I, I'm sick. I'm sick of this story already. And I feel like it's 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 there's no end in sight. Right. Uh, for a second straight day, the UAW called a major auto plant strike this time. To uh, GM's most profitable plant, the SUV plant in Arlington, Texas. Now, I think this was the one that Sean Fain was going to shut down a couple weeks ago, the the Eat the Rich shirt week mm-hmm. back. Uh, and then um, GM came through saying that the, the EV battery plants will be under the new agreement, so they were spared. Uh, but obviously, Sean Fain struck Ford's biggest plant. He struck Stellantis' biggest plant, by the way. 
five, over 500 layoffs now in, at both Sterling and Warren Stamping. Well, and yesterday, this time when you and I were talking, we said, is it going to be GM next? Right. And here we are. So 5,000 people um, are now on the picket line. And in last last week's address, Sean Fain said they still had cards to play. They've now played their three biggest cards. Mm-hmm. He said that the most aggressive push is going to happen right before a deal. So I, I kind of, to me, this kind of signifies that the strike is almost over. I think it shows that Sean Fain and the UAW are ready to accept deals, but they want to just put their foot on the accelerator one more time and see how much they can squeeze out before finally taking a deal. This is squeezing. That's for sure. Uh, this is the day, same day that GM released its third quarter earnings, posting a net income of more than $3 billion. Yeah, and, and it seems like that had something to do with this. Like Sean Fain and the U.S. It's UAW, a statement. Yeah, they saw that and they got mad and said, all right, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the eat the rich right there. Yeah. So, like I said, I you know, they've got their three biggest plants struck. They got the supply chain of auto parts struck. And uh, I don't know where they go from here. Like I said, I actually feel like this is a sign that 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 a deal is imminent. Um, U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria, they've been attacked multiple times in, in past days, um, multiple injuries. One of the uh, hostages that was released earlier this week, she's actually speaking out, talking about her time in captivity. Yosheved Lifshitz, she is 85 years old, so the Hamas terrorists snatched her from her home and drove her to Gaza on a motorcycle, beating her and leaving her bruised, saying that she, um, it was weeks of hell for her. Once in Gaza, Lifshitz said that she was forced to walk through underground tunnels that she likened to spider webs. She was initially in a group of 25 other hostages. Then she was separated into a group of four other people where she says they slept on mattresses on the floor. They ate the same food as the Hamas captors and received regular medical treatment. And uh, I, I hope that's true I, and not just Hamas propaganda. I mean, it's not like this gives them a pass for right. the brutality, kidnapping and rapes and murders on October 7th and, sis, and since. And uh, I don't know, you, you know, Renee, just because they treated these elderly hostages well doesn't mean that they treat all hostages well. I mean, I, I think it's very possible that they selected a small group of hostages to treat better than others so that they can go out and tell the news media. And, See, we're not so bad. Right. Mm-hmm. Be, you know, unwittingly being part of Hamas's PR campaign. Right, right. Um, you know, while brutalizing uh, other ones. So... Um, I, I'm glad she was freed, and uh, you know the ordeal probably took years off of her life. But uh, I think I think uh, 85. She's so fragile and frail. My goodness. Yeah, I mean it's amazing. It's it's amazing she survived. I mean yeah. I remember when 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 this thing was happening on October 7th, and they were showing all this footage of these elderly people being taken away. I was like, you know, you, you had a you had a sinking feeling in your stomach mm-hmm. because it, it'd be tough for anyone of any age to. Um, Go through what they endured. Yeah, let alone being 85. Yeah. And then uh, Google Maps and Waze, they're disabling traffic information in both Gaza and Israel for safety concerns because, you know, when you look at your GPS and, you know, it shows green, yellow, and red, it kind of shows you where a bunch of people are congregating, and they think that might be strategically used by, by terrorists. It's very smart. It is. And and I guess they did this in the early days of the Ukraine invasion as yep. well. Yep. So Very strategic. Yeah, very strategic, very humanitarian. A really weird uh, story about uh, a kidnapped guy and, and a um, 
traffic accident in Macomb County the other day. Yeah, a suspect accused of kidnapping a man from outside a gym was arrested Monday night after a police chase ended in Sterling Heights. Police said that it appeared that the 24-year-old victim was abducted at gunpoint by four armed males at Lifetime Fitness in the area of Hall and Hayes in Shelby Township. Now, after the potential abduction was reported, police were told to be on the lookout for a suspect a suspect vehicle. Police spotted the vehicle, a black GMC pickup truck near 15 Mile and Dodge Park. The driver fled and police chased them until they crashed near Deering and 15 Mile. Officers chased the driver, caught him, who was the only suspect in the vehicle. Police said that the victim was bound inside the vehicle and not hurt. Police also found a loaded rifle. During an investigation, they also took two teens into custody, but they were released after police determined uh, that they were not involved in the abduction. Police said that three other suspects who were involved fled on foot near 15 and Van Dyke. Officers are still looking for them. After the crash, police spent time investigating the victim's home, which was near the crash site, and police said that this crime was not random. This is so bizarre. Well, and I grew up out in that area, and it's a very safe area. So it is. It said like it, it, they said it was not random, so it sounded like, you know, that there was some kind of motive here. Uh-huh. Um, the good news is I think I saw in the news they found one suspect. But but the fact that this guy was tied up in the trunk, there was a car accident, and he was uninjured is, is miraculous. That's so bizarre. It, this sounds like something like 20 years from now, so, some kid in middle school will tell his other friends, and they think it's like an urban legend. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you don't go to the gym. <laughs> that's my takeaway. <laughs> So everyone, get off my back! That's right. Um, and then, um, you, you know, there is that, uh, I, I remember this, at the beginning of the semester, uh, the fall semester, uh, the U of M, uh, their internet and everything was down for days and days and days, and it turns out that there was a huge um, breach of, uh, a data breach of people's personal information. How many people were impacted by this? 230,000 people. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the university detected suspicious activity on its computer network on August 23rd. The campus network was then disconnected from the internet. Third-party experts helped the university investigate the incidents. Uh, they found that the systems were breached from August 23rd through the 27th, exposing hundreds of thousands of people. The hack exposed personal information of certain students, applicants, employees, alumni, and donors. Uh, the compromised data includes social security numbers, driver's licenses, financial information, and health information that could be used for fraud. So the university is offering free credit monitoring services to those impacted and says that it's working to harden its security systems. Letters were mailed out Monday to those who were affected. And August 23rd through 27th, there's probably a lot of people paying last second for their semester. So that Yeah, that uh, was the big crunch. Financial yeah. aid was being finalized, all that fun stuff. So sounds very strategic for the hackers. Yep. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. Up next at six, it's JR Morning with Guy Gordon, Jamie Edmonds, and Lloyd Jackson. This is First Thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. Renee, I think it's a rule that Halloween night always has to be cold. It always has to be rainy. I remember when I was a kid, nothing was a bigger bummer than having to either wear a jacket over your costume or worse, your mom would force you to wear your jacket under your costume. So you're like walking around like some kind of weird hybrid between like Dracula and the Marshmallow Man. <laughs> know. Remember those costumes that you had that plastic mask over your face yeah. and you're like... <sighs> 
like sounding Darth- like Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know what I used to do? I used to get those latex masks and then I would take them off in like five minutes because I'm just sweating in my own like, uh, you know, like breath, breath. sweat. Yeah. yeah. And then it was on top of your head. Yeah. So you, yeah. you went around not having a costume and every, right. every house you go to is like, where's your costume? And what are you supposed to be? None of your business. <laughs> I know. Look, yeah, I don't. Yeah, and then you got the people who like are like, I won't give candy to anyone older than Lala. Who cares? You know what? If they're out there venturing out in those conditions, they deserve all the candy. You know what? The only reason I stopped trick or treating is because I got a job. Like, <laughs> I, I, and you know, I was working at a grocery store and I had to work Halloween Eve. That's the only reason I stopped at the age of sixteen. I used to give the adults Jello shots oh, and pudding shots. That's a good idea. Yeah, but that's only if it was nice and I could sit outside. So this year, I'm not doing that. I'm yeah, sorry, be, because adults. yeah, I'm sorry, parents. This year, and you probably could get in trouble for uh, distributing alcohol without checking an ID. But if the police ask me, I'm, I know nothing. I'll give them one. There you go. Oh, <laughs> grease the palms. The Vitalia bootleg machine. Yeah. Um, Dave Rexroth, he has released his extended forecast for next week. And it's looking cold, rainy, and we may even get cold enough for the S word. Snow? Seriously? Seriously snow, yes. I was in shorts and a tank top yesterday doing yard work. How is this possible? I, uh, forget it. It's Michigan. Because because Michigan is surrounded by water and it is <sighs> awful when it comes Jeez, to... So, did you just to, throw all your papers? Yeah. <laughs> Very wanna, newsroom dramatic. I, I like be, it. I want to be more like Bill O'Reilly in that uh, video where he melts down. We'll do it live! Mission accomplished. Thank you. I'm impressed. Thank you for noticing. Uh, Dana Nessel is one of 42 attorneys general. I guess it's attorneys general, not attorney generals. Uh, 42 attorneys general suing Meta, Facebook and Instagram's, uh, which is uh, Facebook and Instagram's parent company, uh-huh. alleging that they target and monetize young users and engage in practices harmful to their mental health. Lawsuit specifically mentions algorithms designed to keep them scrolling and the like feature that leads uh, to harmful mental health outcomes. It's seeking a court order for Meta to change its practices and provide any potential restitutions that courts may deem necessary in future cases. And I get it. You know, I, I myself often feel manipulated by the algorithm, especially TikTok, which actually isn't mentioned here, but I feel like TikTok is the best at at these harmful practices because because they are so good at showing you content you want to see. It is so easy to go down a rabbit hole. And uh, and honestly, to me, that makes TikTok like the best social media experience. Oh yeah. Um, they should have filed this lawsuit against MySpace though. That top eight feature, <laughs> psychological warfare. It was. If you're mad at someone, that's it. You've gone from number two, number eight. You keep it up. You're out of my top eight. Yeah, you're out. of That was serious. If you didn't even make the top eight, let alone get juggled within the top eight. You know, my my first serious girlfriend out of high school, we broke up when she went away to college. And it was just a dagger through my heart watching watching me slide further down her top eight. And then who's this dude who's climbing up her top eight? Oh, Petunia. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you know. Do you feel better that we've talked about it? I do, actually. So happy for you. I can breathe again. Was this therapeutic? Yeah. Well, you know what? I got to say, Tom from MySpace was a masochist. Did you just throw your papers again? It's my new thing, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Another tragedy in my life, Renee. (laughs)
Yes. Is that student loans are coming due again this month. Yes, they are. After nearly three years, we didn't have to pay because of COVID. But a glitch at the education department is telling about 305,000 borrowers that they owe the wrong amount. The education department has come out and said that the people who are affected, they will not have to start paying again until the, the glitch is fixed. One borrower's payment jumped from two ninety three a month to four forty four a month. Another person went from seven fifty nine a month, which seems astronomical. Wow. To sixty eight hundred and forty three dollars a month. Oh my gosh. And uh, Could you imagine waking up to that? And you know what? I can't I can't promise you I haven't been affected because I haven't been able to bring myself to look at how much I owe. I know you don't it's due, even look. I know it's due at the end of the month, but I'm just I, I, I can't bring myself to do it yet. Well, you've got six days until it comes due. Well, here's my here's my problem, Renee. You know, it's not that I was blowing that money. It's just that everything's more expensive now than it was back then. You know, my paycheck used to cover Everything, including student loans, leave me with a little bit left over to save at the end of the month. And, uh, you know, it doesn't even cover the bills anymore. Yeah. So ain't nobody getting anything for Christmas from me this year. You're all getting homemade crafts like it's Mother's Day in elementary school. (laughs) I look forward to my noodle necklace. (laughs) Here you go. Here you go, Renee. It's my hand and some plaster of Paris. Merry Christmas. A hand turkey. (laughs) I'll make you a hand turkey for but then that's it. That's your Christmas present. That's fine. It's I, it's the thought that counts. I'm like a mom any day in December when you need something. Oh, you need deodorant? All right. It's part of your Christmas. <laughs> that's fine. You want a hand turkey, Renee? It's part of your Christmas. <laughs> oh, man. Well, since we're talking about, uh, you know, just how our lives are, are changing for the worse, a uh, popular dessert, uh, a local <sighs> favorite, might actually be in danger here. This is terrible. The bumpy cake may not be available at Christmas time. What? So the problem is... Cancel it. Yeah, I know. Um, So the problem is you might want to get your fix now because there's a shortage of the beloved dessert. Sanders warned that estimates show the cake will be out of stock by the end of the year. Now, this comes after Ari Bakery in Livonia, which produced bumpy cakes, closed. Vic Marin, the CEO of Sanders Parent Company, Second Nature Brands said, when we received this unexpected news, we began an exhaustive search for a new bakery partner to take over making Sanders Bumpy Cakes. After conversations with more than a dozen bakeries, we've not yet found a new partner who can maintain the high quality of the classic taste that our uh, our consumers expect and deserve. Now, while Sanders continues to search for a new bakery partner, the cakes could become unavailable for some time. What? I know. Marin said, we know Bumpy Cakes hold a special place in your lives in celebrations and in the culture of michigan this is why recent events are so disappointing and also why we're committed to being able to make bumpy cakes again with a new partner in the future the cakes are still currently available online and in michigan stores to carry them which i don't believe that's true because all my news feed was yesterday were people buying up all the bumpy right. cakes with pictures and it says hundred dollars no lowballing i know what i've got well it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy doesn't it you you put the news out that bumpy cakes going away and people stock up yep and that's exactly i had people that were in florida my snowbird friends that were like send me the bumpy cakes i will pay top dollar you know i know a place that makes bumpy cake cupcakes the problem is you know i can't eat dairy so it's a vegan place so if 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 you are used to milk and stuff it's probably going to taste different to you can we get somebody's grandma on this Somebody's grandma's got to be able to make these well. Well, I was thinking, okay, you know, another bakery could probably 
could probably snatch this up and make a lot of money. But but obviously the bakery that's making it right now is going out of business. So right. maybe it's not lucrative. I don't know. The the part of your story I'm kind of stuck on is that they, they went to a bunch of different bakeries and, and they said they couldn't maintain the quality or taste. Do you think they went around to a bunch of bakeries like and these bakeries made them a bumpy cake and they ate it in the boardroom and they went and then they just left? <laughs> Get this garbage out of my face. I mean, how hard is it to manufacture bumpy cake? Is it uh, is it like KFC's uh, secret recipe? I, that's what I'm saying. Isn't there a recipe that they could just duplicate I, I don't know this could be a boom though for for local bakeries yeah. because you know if make it, it a contest if the place if the, if the place i go to for non-dairy bumpy cake can make a good bumpy cake cupcake it should be pretty easy when you've got all the ingredients at right. your disposal right i mean even you the would think even the small mom and pops just you know put a thing up that says we've got bumpy cake and it, it, it could probably be a boon for them i know i feel like just baked used to do them yeah yeah i, so don't, I don't know I somebody don't. somebody get it together right because it's the season of miracles and dang it <laughs> we need one it's first halloween yeah <laughs> no it's hey Two months away. Stop it. Two months away. Not now, Santa. There's going to be no Christmas till Bumpy Cake's back. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. All right. Winding down. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale. And we're winding up for JR Morning with Guy Lloyd and Jamie, who join us from the banks of the Red Cedar. Morning, everybody. Good morning. morning. We already gave your salutations to Sparty on the way in this morning. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> what, I, I'm sure he remembers me. He nodded, yeah, respectfully. Okay, well, that's yeah. good. He gave you, the, you know the nod. Yeah, right. The, was it the upward nod, like, hey, or the downward nod, like, respect? <laughs> <laughs> uh, guy, I, I feel so bad. Yesterday, uh, there is a big anniversary that I forgot to uh, wish you a, a, a happy 25th anniversary of the uh, implosion of the Hudson's building, and I know that you were down there <laughs> in the thick of it, and I think you're still... Uh, coughing up smoke. I'm still hacking yeah. up stuff. From, I was there too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I really? There. I was there on the on on a roof across from the the Hudson's building with Mayor Dennis Archer, who hit the button. Oh wow! And, and knocked it down. And so, were you assured by city officials as well that you were outside the blast yeah, radius? Absolutely. Yeah. You wouldn't get be. And did you end up looking like the Michelin Man when it was all done? <laughs> I, I uh, sure did. I was ashy, a little ashy, a little ashy. <laughs> I need a little Vaseline or something. Oh, a ashy. I got, I got to say, Lloyd, you show great restraint. It would have taken everything in me not to reach over and hit the button. For the- <laughs> no, they had people around. I couldn't get to the button if I wanted to. And the, and the truck, the JR truck, was just covered. Oh my gosh! I mean, I was, oh, it was yeah. covered in, in ash and soot. And we, we were. I was with Joanne Purton, and we had monitors out, a bank of monitors out in front of us, uh-huh. so we could watch what was happening behind us. Okay. The the ash covered the screens. You know, back in those days, it was a regular tube TV. Yeah. So you know, it, it was like any dust would stick, stick to it yeah. because of the uh, static electricity. So we completely had no idea what was going on. Plus, we couldn't even see one another. So it was like, uh, Captain Dennis, it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys have on masks? Uh, I we didn't start having on masks, and I wish I'd put mine on sooner. I watched I, the I truly video think of one guy. Of the Oh, oh yeah! It looked like instant night. It, it was. Did. It just blocked out the sun and everything. Was it was googling was. video now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's something to see, Jamie. You got to check it out. Yeah. I'm on it. 
Jamie will join you guys at 6.15 after she's done watching the video. <laughs> it's something to see, that's for sure. Did it smell funny? I mean, I know that's a strange question to ask, but was there a weird smell after? I can't remember if it was. I a... can't. I just remember that I was coughing up a storm. Yeah. I bet. And I continued coughing for probably the better part of two or three weeks. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I, I got to a... I gotta say, I mean, I, I'd probably be freaked out if, uh, you know, I, I was assured I was outside the blast zone and I just saw, you know, a bunch of smoke and soot coming at me. Well, was just shifted or what? I don't know. <laughs> you know, if there had been a thought bubble over my head, it would have been an oh, oh boy. <laughs> it would have been exclamation point uh, hashtag yeah. sign at. <laughs> but can we just say, you know, while you're marking this anniversary, 25 years, look at the transformation yeah. of that area I in know. the past 25 years. Campus marshes and all the wonderful times we've had down there. Yes. Um, we're going to have the uh, NFL draft coming. We've we've had, you know, just innumerable great events. We've got the Hudson's building being built by Dan Gilbert, Gilbert. in that footprint. And, and so, our waterfront now that goes all the way down through the Uniroyal site. To Belle Isle and mm-hmm. you know going the, east. The numerous restaurants. Oh the, man, yeah. it was. To do. My wife actually worked in that building, and you know, so it was hard to say goodbye. Yeah. to to the Hudson's oh, building because floor, we kept man. hoping it might come back. That's where Santa Claus was on the twelfth floor. I mean, was the, it the real Santa Claus? <laughs> we should we should point out he has taken up a different residence. He has a different residence <laughs> okay. now. I was going to say. He's uh, not gone. You yeah. don't want he didn't go right. with the building. You don't want to be the demolition the crew that forgot to clear the building. <laughs> There's a had... bunch of kids going to early daycare right now wondering what the heck Uncle Lloyd's talking about. Uh, well, I would imagine getting rid of that, the, the, the decision to tear down that building probably was controversial back then because it was such a beloved landmark. I don't recall it being controversial. I mean. I had attended, I think, no less than five or six different news conferences announcing the rebirth yeah. of yeah. the Hudson's and building just that, never that just turned out to be total nonsense. Right. Yeah. Like the Kmart uh, headquarters out in Troy. Mm-hmm. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit like that, only taller. Yeah. <laughs> Not as wide. Or maybe it was. Um so yesterday, Sean Fain, um, he struck the biggest uh, plant. NGM of the Texas Arlington SUV plant. And I'm wondering if, in a weird way, this is signaling that this strike is 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 wrapping up because uh, last week he said they had more cars to play. They've, they've played their three biggest cards with uh, the Chicago Ford Assembly, the uh, Stellantis plant in uh, Sterling Heights, and the one that they struck yesterday. And he also said the most aggressive push comes towards the end of negotiations so by by that logic it, it it almost feels like in a roundabout way this is signaling this thing's coming to an end you know maybe sean fain is putting his foot on the accelerator one more time to see how much he can get out of the big three before signing the agreements yeah i think he's wringing out the washcloth and yeah. uh you know get, trying to get a few more drips <laughs> I, i'm not saying you're wrong but I think more importantly, it says that he can read a balance sheet. And when GM announces Q3 earnings yeah. of yeah. $3 billion, that he goes, okay, we're going to get me some. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's mm-hmm. what I think the timing of it was more about the Q3 earnings announcement than, than anything. But we can be hopeful that maybe it's, you're right, the final push. Well, it wouldn't be the first time one of my theories was wrong, but still I persevere. Uh, you guys uh, we're coming into jr you guys sound great for uh three people who are out late doing trivia last night you can't even oh, tell oh how do that, you know <coughs> i know everything birdie. i know everything 
So we tried to be the Newsies. We thought that was a nice name, but that was not was what, what was on the board, was it, Lloyd? No, it was Newies because I forgot to put the S in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's a trivia contest, show. not a spelling bee. Yeah. His new nickname is Thumbs. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, Boom, we got 15 time. seconds. How'd you guys do? Did you guys use your collective news knowledge to, to, to wipe the floor with everybody? No, no, oh. yeah. but we 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 were in the we top. Yeah, we were in the top yeah. ten. Yeah. Good job, Newies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Good <laughs> job. Okay. At least you had fun. Uh, I would have done better if I didn't have uh, Hudson's dust on the brain. <laughs> <laughs> and it is first thing. Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. The big data breach in the news is the one that at the University of Michigan last August that compromised the info of over 230,000 people. But did you hear about the one at the Department of Homeland Security? Cyberterrorism analyst Morgan Wright tells us about it on All Talk with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz. Uh, there is a, a new concern that's been raised uh, when it's re- in relation to cyber attacks on our country, and it uh, now seems to be directly impacting um, major IT companies, vendors of the government, the federal government. There's been major uh, automation systems manufactured, gathering some some a lot of national attention after these reports, uh, Kevin, of IT and cyber attacks against uh, federal government vendors in this country. Yeah, reports suggest that the attack may have led to the compromise of data associated with the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, Let's bring in uh, Morgan Wright, uh, cyberterrorism analyst, uh, chief security advisor at uh, Sentinel One and former senior advisor for the U.S. State Department Anti-Terrorism Assistance Program. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. Uh, as the world turns, so far so good, but uh, things could change in a moment, right? Yeah, you know, we watch uh, everything that's going on uh, over in Gaza and Israel, and we think about attacks, but there's there's cyber attacks also that uh, that, that can be uh, national security threats. Uh, can you sort of assess what happened here? I don't think a lot of people uh, are aware of the story or are following it as closely with everything else that's going on in the world. Yeah, you're right. And, and, you know, and that's one of the reasons why sometimes cyber doesn't get attention is because you can't really see it. You can just see the effects of it afterwards. So what happened is a company called Johnson Controls, it's all public information now. They provide a lot of the industrial control systems, the ICS uh, badge control, badge access readers, you know, access control, video surveillance, things like that. And one of their customers is the Department of Homeland Security. Now, you might think, okay, are they getting data out of there? It's not so much that they're getting like the classified data that DHS has, but what they could, if you think of Johnson Controls, building schematics, where the buildings are, some locations. Uh, and I can tell you, I live in Northern Virginia. We've got so many classified locations around here. You don't know that it's an offsite. You don't know that it's uh, a, you know a, sec- a secret site. It's even the disclosure of that. Why does that matter? Well, when you think about who our adversaries are in the world right now, Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, and you think of what they're after, they would love to have this kind of information. Well, groups like Dark Angels, which is our Sentinel Labs team, identified them as being behind this. If they get that information from Johnson Controls, Johnson doesn't pay the ransom, let's say, that this information gets out. Now, China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, they have information they didn't have to break in and get. It's like a freebie. Here you go. So that's the part that concerns me are these things that are interconnected. It's not it's not the initial damage. It's the downstream damage that happens from intelligence failures, from learning things that you should, never should have known simply because um, somebody was able to get into your system. And in this case, ransomware and exfiltrate data. Every For every case we hear about a cyber attack where a ransom was demanded, there are 
dozens, if not hundreds, that we, we never hear about. And, and these companies that get hit and get attacked, uh, they're willing in some cases to pay million-dollar ransoms. Uh, this case seems much more significant to me. Uh, how, like, how, have they, has there been a ransom demand yet, and how, how big would this be? And is there, can you even say no to something like that? Well, there's a couple of things that have changed. So the laws have changed. If you're a publicly traded company, if you have a major incident, a material incident, what they call it, that you have to disclose that in your 10K filing. So at least every three months, we're going to learn about a company that's had a cyber incident. Private sector companies, not required to do it unless you do business with the federal government. Then you have a requirement within 24 hours to notify them. Now, the way some of these ransomware groups work uh, it's based upon a percentage of your gross revenue. So if you make $100 million, they may say, well, look, for $100 million, we, we're going to demand $5 because what they don't want is across-the-board pricing. It's like going into a car dealer. One sales person quotes you, you know, 25000 The next one quotes you 20000 You know, they don't want – what they don't want to do is cannibalize their own market. These folks, at the end of the day, they're in it for money, so they're business people. And that's normally the way you do this now. I don't know if they paid it yet or not. It's still too early into it. They may be recovering, you know, instead of paying. But when you recover, you still pay a price, a huge price, because of the downtime, the reputation hit. And potentially in this case with federal contractors, uh, you put your current contracts in jeopardy of being uh, canceled if you have made material uh, mistakes in how you defend and protect the information the government trusts you with. That's, this is fascinating. So to your earlier point, um it, the fact that they're looking at a company's profit margins to determine what they're going to ask for a ransom, that is a fascinating aspect of this I, I had not considered. Um, so it just depends on how much how successful you are as a, as a corporation or what whatnot. It, it, what kind of alarm bells should this be ringing for a number of government contractors around the country uh, and their vulnerabilities to a cyber attack? Yeah, look, I've been doing this for a long time. I came out of state and local law enforcement then in Virginia, worked, uh, you know, defense, intelligence, justice things. And I always hear this statement, well, it should be a wake-up call. The only problem with wake-up calls is we tend to hit the snooze button on those wake-up calls, <laughs> yes. and we just kick it down the road, you know. <laughs> so what happens is it takes a huge event for you to get religion. And so uh, the government's trying to make that more um, – more impactful by saying, hey, look, we now have requirements that if you contain certain kinds of information, it could contain sensitive information, like if you're dealing with PII, personally identifiable information or protected health information or civilian agencies. But then if you deal with a certain intelligence community or certain contractors that deal with secret or you know confidential secret, top secret, you have a higher level of responsibility. And it, a lot of this goes back into many companies, believe it or not, are using – can you imagine how how much uh, how much uh, confidence would you have if she saw her SEAL Team Six or Delta going in to rescue hostages and they were armed with musket loaders and black powder rifles? Mm. You're going, dude. That's the, like yesterday's technology. Mm. Believe it or not, there are still some people out there using technology from yesterday, legacy technology, antivirus, as opposed to using things that are uh, built around artificial intelligence machines. Morgan Wright, cybersecurity expert, talking about a data breach. At the Department of Homeland Security, it's first thing, Mike Parsons. Renee Vitale, WJR, will be back after the news.